Okay. All right. Okay. All right. We did it. <laughs> we did it. All right. We're here. We're here. We're doing it. We're we're recording. We are doing the impossible, the unthinkable. What? We Swel- are self quarantining and social distancing. And and putting out content at the same time. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch. Bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if this naughty to ruse your list, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be there. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Welcome. I'm Hannah. I'm Deanna. And we talk to you about ladies. And um, we are not scholars, and we are not here to give you a source for your dissertation about anyone. Yeah, yeah. please don't cite us. Just um, use us as inspiration if you do have to write a dissertation about somebody. Um, Correct. But, you know, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we, we like to talk about ladies across history. And because we're in weird times, we're trying to do our best, I think, to keep ourselves entertained and out of despair. So... How how are you doing with that this week? I'm doing pretty terms well. Of, in terms of your, your <clears throat> like, because I know I had a hard time picking somebody last week just because yeah. I couldn't I couldn't decide how I felt about everything. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. It's been fascinating to see how my brain has all the time in the world, theoretically, right now, because I got laid off, and yeah. how... I simultaneously don't want to do anything that requires too much brain power because I think I'm just mentally and emotionally kind of exhausted. I was before this all happened. And now I am in a different sort of way. At least now I'm getting more sleep. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, and you know, like, not to bring up sad things, but you and Ben and I all had um, an anniversary of our father's death. Yeah, they're all around the the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, and and actually both mine and Ben's um, anniversaries of that event were in March. Like, I can't believe it's still March because they feel already so long ago, but they were pretty recent. And yours was February, right? Yeah, the end of February. Yeah. So I think that's also, for me, a contributing factor anyway to like this this weird funk i was already in yeah when all of this started and so now feeling very funky so i'm hoping that um our our ladies can help at least yes a little and i wanted to do someone who made me think of happy things and yes and fun things and good things and um, the lady I picked this week, I already told you <laughs> that I think you're going to laugh <laughs> when you hear who it is and you'll be like, oh, classic Deanna. <laughs> um, but uh, here we go. And there's only so much information I can find on her, actually. So it's oh. going to be pretty quick and fun. Yay. So my sources will probably give you some indication of why you're going to find this funny. Um, <clears throat> But so my sources this week are uh, the Disney Sophisticate.com, <laughs> Disney.fandom.com, D23.com, Disney Parks.disney.go, uh. <laughs> 
and themeparktourist.com and magicalmouseschoolhouse.com. So for Theme Park Tourist, there's a really great piece written by Ashley Varela, um, who is a historian and um, I believe actually knows more information than me. And then, hello, and then Magical Mouse Schoolhouse was a interview by Jody Wisenhunt. So. I have no clue who this is, but the Disney is intriguing. <laughs> is in every single one of my sources. <laughs> yes. Oh, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> All right. Lay it on me. Tell me. Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to dive right in. And Do it. I will editorialize right from the beginning. So the first line says, I think my levels are crazy. My first line says, in the 1940s, when creative careers weren't readily offered to women, Walt Disney gave the opportunity to many. And I know that that's true. He did have a lot of female creatives. And I don't know if that was a reason uh, kind of like uh, Wilhelmina Fleming, where you could pay women less and get away with it. Mm, um, or if you felt like could women be. had more of a creative sort of uh, attention to detail, a sort of nurturing vibe, which still is a sort of sexist mentality. But I've heard yeah. people sort of say that. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was either of those or if he genuinely wanted to give opportunities to women. I don't know. And I know that Walt Disney had some problematic aspects of his personality for sure. But um, but I don't think sexism was necessarily one of them. But I'm not going to paint him as a feminist icon either. Is all I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah I like that caveat. Yes. Okay. So at the Walt Disney Studios Ink and Paint Department, there were almost entirely only women working there. <laughs> um, female wow. artists. Yeah. Female artists collectively producing thousands upon thousands of film cells of the finest precision. And that is where Disney legend Leota Lee Toombs Thomas got her start. Oh, my goodness. I love that you do so often, or I guess you have done more than I have, these like lost artists. Yeah, like, this one was reminding me of Millicent Patrick a lot. Yes, exactly. I love that. And, and you'll see why even more so as I delve further into her. and Amazing. Um, yeah, I love her. Um, so the work of many female Imagineers is evident in the intricate details of the theme parks they influenced, designed, and built, from the vibrant costumes of Mary Blair's dolls in It's a Small World, to the puff of each... <gasps> To the puff of each feathered chest, Harriet Burns crafted for Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, which was something I experienced for the first time when I was in Florida in February. And it's so cute and outdated and kitschy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Yes. Few, if any, however, can claim as much recognizability as the late Leota Toombs Thomas, best known for providing the serene, all-knowing visage and name of the haunted mansion's Madame Leota. Oh. She's the head in the crystal ball. Oh, okay. Madame Leota. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not only did she give uh, life to one of the most iconic Disney Parks characters ever created, she was also instrumental in shaping attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean, It's <gasps> a Small World. My favorite. Mm -hmm. Not <laughs> great my favorite. Moments, great moments with Mr. Lincoln and Ford's Magic Skyway, which those wow. were for the um, 1964 World's Fair. And then, obviously, oh, It's a Small World, and if Pirates was the, the World's Fair, too, then It's a Small World, for sure, came back into the parks, but started at the World's Fair. 
Perhaps most importantly, she approached her retirement by training Imagineers in Disneyland's show quality service department, passing along principles of design and craftsmanship that endured long after she left the company. Hmm. So in the early 1940s, she was 17 or 18 years old and her name was Leota Ann Wharton and she showed up at the ink and paint department of the Disney Studios and the studio was uh, putting the finishing touches on like Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi. They were working on all those at the time. And it just started to refocus its efforts on propaganda films in support of the U.S. government during World War II. Uh Uh-oh. Disney made a ton of money in that period doing propaganda films. Mm -hmm. It's actually kind of crazy. Uh, Otherwise, they would have gone under if they didn't. Wow. Um, Yeah. (laughs) According to Life magazine, 90% of the 550 employees at the studio were involved in the production of wartime films. So... That's crazy. Yeah. The Navy alone. I never knew. The Navy alone had ordered over 50 films on gunnery, bombing, and paratroop training, among other subjects. Did they, they animated them or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were they Disney characters who were like, Sometimes. you know, Donald Duck you was in them. Shoot a thing. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez. <laughs> so, to put it obviously, there was no shortage of work for animators, inkers, and painters, especially. Those of Wharton's exceptional talent. Leota didn't remain in ink and paint for long. With her unique talent and skillful artistry, it wasn't long before her skills were recognized with a promotion to the animation department. Um, the studio realized that she was really good at line work. And they put her mm. in as what was called an in-betweener. So in-betweeners were tasked with refining frames drawn by principal animators as well as creating in-between frames that detailed precise movements and gestures assigned to a specific character so i don't exactly know the details of what that necessarily means i wonder if an in if that means like just making movements look fluid Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like like connecting the dots almost yeah i guess that's yeah that makes sense yeah um at some point, she was assigned to work in tandem with head animator Harvey Toombs on a full-length feature called Victory Through Air Power, Uh-oh. the first of the studio's films with a clear educational bent. And four years later, in 1947, the two artists wed. Aww. And Leota Wharton, now Toombs, like many women were expected to do in her time, stepped back from her career to raise their two children. And... Ugh. But would return to the Walt Disney Company in 1962. So it wasn't like he expected her all of a sudden to be a stay-at-home mom forever. Not forever, but it was 15 years. Oh, wow. I did not calculate. 47 to 62. I did not calculate that difference (laughs) at all. Okay, that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also a societal expectation. So maybe she chose to do it herself. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Clearly, she loved working for Walt Disney because she wanted back in in 1962. Um, And at that time, Walt Disney was in the throes of another pet project because while Leota was a stay-at-home mom, Disneyland opened in 1955. And so, oh shit! Mm-hmm. Fifty-five. I didn't realize it was that early. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so Disneyland was celebrating its seventh anniversary with a seemingly endless list of attractions and shows still waiting to be developed and debuted to an eager public. So he started working on Walt Disney World in Florida at this point. Um, he called They called it the Florida Project. <clears throat> and he was very excited about it. Um, and he already had a talented core of designers, figure finishers, and model makers in Harriet Burns, Wathel Rogers, and Fred Yorger. And they were all <laughs> inaugural members of, um, of the Imagineers, but they were um, uh, part of a division at the time termed WED Enterprises, which is WD is Walt Disney's um, ah. initials. Um, yep. And th- that was the beginnings of um, Imagineers. And oh, uh, wow, which obviously is the combination of imagination and engineer. Hey, yes, it's very um, Disney, it's very Disney, <laughs> and um, yeah. So, uh, Wet Enterprises was working on their Florida project, and so they wanted to expand the roster of Imagineers to be able to maintain the kind of innovative standards that um, give Disneyland and Disney World and Disney Parks their sort of notoriety for being very detail oriented and pristine and you know they yeah. they're exceptional theme parks um by any standard of theme park goer you know they can say it's a time suck a money suck and it's too fake and it's not real culture but you can't say that it's uh not a innovative game-changing theme park yeah they kind of created the game they yeah they set a standard that has yeah yet to be met i think by many other places so they uh, obviously uh, extended an invitation to Leota to become an Imagineer. And so she wasn't an in-betweener anymore. And she was just, uh, there were only four or five women in the model shop, which is the department she was first in. And um, she assisted- What is that? She assisted with crafting, painting, and detailing scale models of the park. In oh. addition to working on more complex projects like humanoid audio animatronic figures and feathered furry creatures. Her work, yeah, her work as an immaculate figure finisher was also evident in Disney's custom-built characters for the 6465 World's Fair. That so, is really fucking cool. It was like the first sort of uh, creation of human animatronics, I think, for that type of purpose. And they were really realistic for the time. Like we see yeah. them, we would see them now and think of them as kind of old-fashioned and, and fake looking, but people were. do they use animatronics in this it's a small world mm-hmm. um ride like that kind of like no, that's what but, i imagine but the great but moments with mr lincoln um definitely did the the lincoln was i think the first uh animatronic of its time where they had a bunch of different machines just working the face yeah and it's actually really crazy to see some of the ones that they've done lately for um Pandora, the the Avatar world, because it's yeah. Humans are very quick to be able to pick up when something's wrong, when something's trying the to be human. The Uncanny Valley. Yes. Yeah. But when they're doing a, a creature that's sort of humanoid, but not quite human, it's amazing how realistic they can make them look and how many different machines they have. Anyway, I'm jumping they've come a long way. <laughs> You've, yeah, they've just they've come a long way for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to hear about somebody who was involved in some of the first real versions of yeah, like what what we know now considered classic attractions. 
And um, the attractions that she helped flesh out and bring into being were some of the most intricate ever attempted by the company um, with hundreds of audio animatronics that had to be outfitted. There were intricate set pieces that had to be constructed and painted and special effects to be rigged, historical cultural costumes to be researched and patterned. And uh, Leota was one of the many Imagineers who took that attention to detail seriously. And she spent much of her time touching up the makeup on on pirates and tweaking their hair and their clothes until their expressions and their style looked just right. That makes a lot of sense to me just as someone who was an in-betweener, or at least from what I imagine an in-betweener must have been, like somebody who was, like whose entire job must have been paying attention to detail Mm -hmm. and sort of perfecting detail and making sure that everything looked correct and making sure it looked fluid. And I mean, I don't know. And Those rides are some of my favorites. Yeah, some people have uh, even said... Um, that the, her animatronic figures that she helped create never looked as good as they did when they were under her care. And like those early Imagineers didn't, they didn't just specialize in animatronics. They, they invented them basically. Yeah. Starting from scratch almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we said she, she helped with the models for pirates, uh, Enchanted Tiki Room, Haunted Mansion, and Country Bear Jamboree among ones that you would know and see in the park yes um, i remember country bear i remember mm-hmm. haunted mansion mm-hmm. and pirates yes man and uh yeah and then wow. yeah <laughs> sorry i don't mean to get lost in my notes but i just keep like looking up and talking to you and then being yeah like, hey, because wait, wait. it's amazing <laughs> it's so cool <laughs> because i actually also, know I just... something about this <laughs> Yeah, and I love, I mean, I love hearing it from you in part because you are so passionate about theme parks and Disney stuff, and so I feel like you are able to lend more of a, more of that excitement to it, and, and also you have a, a layer of just already knowing some of this stuff already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't worry about getting lost in your notes. Getting lost I in my notes. It's fun. Yeah. But, so she did all this incredible work as an Imagineer, but we also don't really know the names of many of the other female Imagineers. We know a lot, of, there's a lot of really big uh, early Imagineers and current Imagineers that if you're a Disney nerd, you learn about and know their style and stuff. Um, yeah. But she's obviously most famous because you recognize her as the face of Madame Leota in Haunted Mansion. So her likeness is forever enshrined in the seance room there and i don't think they have any plans to change the face i think that they want to keep it the same um yeah so when the idea of a disembodied head that speaks from inside a crystal ball came along during haunted mansion's development yale gracie asked leota to come pose for the head so they could test it out um (laughs) it was decided that actress eleanor oddly should provide leota's voice due to the menacing quality um, but there's apparently a little Leota bride at the end of the ride that has Leota Toom's small, high-pitched voice. So we'll talk more oh. about that later. Um, she said, as I remember, Leota recalled shortly after making her debut at the attraction, which opened in 1969, my eyes were the right distance apart to fit the test model when the whole thing began. <laughs> And something of, oh. like, the look in her face. She had dark hair and dark eyebrows. 
Um, it, it just worked so well. So even after the test happened, she figured they decided she was going to be the one to be the official face. And she found herself in the studio's makeup department, prepping to have a special rubber mask made of her face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so I feel like if you're a behind the scenes person and you are just for the first time, like be going in front of the camera, so to speak, and having to do all of these things that it's usually actors who do, that must be kind of intimidating. Yeah. I would think and that it would be, especially if you yeah. have like a small, meek sort of voice and you work behind the scenes. You're not a a, a performer. Yeah. But they asked Good her for her, though. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in 1971, Disney World had picked up so much steam and was becoming more of a real thing. So she moved, she moved to Orlando to create and oversee the on-site team that would maintain the shows and attractions of the new park, Walt Disney World, um, a.k.a. the Florida Project. Um, she was very particular with her projects and was even known to wade chest deep into the Jungle Cruise River to adjust the animals. <laughs> Thank God it was a fake river. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, right? I mean, you never know. In Florida, crocs can just get in there. Ugh. But it was still being built, so I'm sure it was still pretty fresh and the animals all ran away. The real ones. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and it was actually there that she met her second husband, Hugh Thomas. Oh. I don't know what happened with tombs. I tried to figure it out. And I don't know when they got divorced, but oh, they did. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there you go. But she met her second husband, Hugh Thomas, who was a contractor landscaping the grounds of Disney World. He was in the midst of designing the banks of the Jungle Cruise, and she was inspecting progress of the ride. And they got they they got together there. And they, they fell, fell in, love, in love. love, and they got married in Orlando. Um, apparently, Aww. she was also instrumental in the designing of Epcot, and was one of the artists that was in on the beginning stages of the planning. And um, in 1979, she moved back to California uh, with her husband, and they had a, an Epcot model in their basement that she made. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. So again, in 79, she moved back to California when her work with Disney World was complete and she resumed Imagineer work at Disneyland. Uh, she continued her leadership role at Walt Disney Imagineering after her return to California. Up and coming Disneyland figure finishers and artisans would benefit from her training by learning from the best. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. So she came to work at the um, Walt Disney Imagineering Show Quality Service Department, where she trained like a bunch of new Imagineers in the staff paint and sign shops. Um, she worked with original art directors and could teach the new Imagineers not about, uh, no, she could teach new Imagineers about the styles of the original art directors and the nuances mm. that they put in that made the scenes and the characters work. So oh, that yeah, it maintained. Oh, yeah, you would have to know that. Yeah. So it maintained yeah. like a set of standards. That the new people wouldn't come and it would just get changed little by little by little. Like that that production of Les Mis, right? It was eventually the director came back after years and was like, this show is not even the same show. Because every time they put a new actor <laughs> in, it would slightly change and they shut down. Anyway. Oh, weird. <clears throat> I've never heard that story. But yes, <laughs> artists want to do it their own way. They want it to so stay often. Stay. Yep. Because um, that's the, the ticket to success. The key to success is the way it was created. Um. One of the many young Imagineers that she trained was, in fact, her own daughter, Kim oh. Irvine, who would later become art director for Disneyland. Wow. Yeah. 
So Kim started her career in the model shop in 1970. Um, she was training with a big influx of young Imagineers that were being mentored by the originals. I think she was working in Florida. Because I remember when I watched the Imagineering story, the docuseries on Disney Plus, Kim Irvine's picture came up when they were building Epcot. They did a whole episode about like the building of Epcot and Disney World and all that. Interesting. Because obviously, um, Leota was there in Orlando at the time, so it makes sense. Yeah. And Kim said it was a unique situation to be trained by your mom. She was a wonderful teacher and friend. Anyone who knew her loved her. And many Imagineers owe some of their success for, to her for passing on the tribal knowledge that's so important to the Disney product. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. And a fun little fact, because in Disneyland, Haunted Mansion gets an overlay for the holidays that's Nightmare Before Christmas themed. It doesn't happen at Disney World. It happens at Disneyland. And it's relatively new. I think they started doing it in the aughts-ish. Um, I could look that up. But, oh. um, but when they did that, they wanted a new incantation in the seance room. And so they asked Kim to do it. Oh, just to like make one up and yeah. do it, do and, it like she's her mom. <laughs> yeah. And they made a mask of her face and they discovered that oh. their, their masks were so similar that they can just project her face on my head and it matches up. Oh my God. Oh shit. And she says that her mom, she feels her mom would have liked that if she had gotten to see it, that, um, that's really sweet that their faces were so similar that she could just step right on in. Um, Leota, who passed away in 1991, quote, always laughed that out of all the things she had designed and created in her career, the one she is best known for is Madame Leota. Uh, But I'm grateful Hmm. as I walk through New Orleans Square in the early hours of the morning, I can hear that sweet little voice for the the little Leota doll that's at the end (laughs) echoing, hurry back. She gets to hear her mom every morning. Oh, my God. That is... creepy but like not at all <laughs> yeah it's a sweet super voice. eloquent <laughs> hurry back i'll play it for wow. you and in, yeah, two- in 2009 do. she was posthumously named a disney legend are you a good witch or a bad bitch let us know by becoming a patron on, on our, our Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively oh, yeah. for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Leota Tombs Thomas. Oh, AKA man. Lee. Everyone called her Lee, I think. Oh, God, that was really good. I have never heard of her, but also, I don't know. But you've I think seen it's... her face. You wrote Han and Mansion. Yeah, I've seen her face. Like, you just would never know. It's amazing the people who are so instrumental into in these giant artistic endeavors that we just, we never know their names, you know? 
We know of Disney World. We know of Disneyland, but we don't We know of Walt Disney. (laughs) Yeah, we know of Walt Disney. And then otherwise, we don't know about all of the individual people who were responsible for shaping all of that. Because he didn't do it alone. He wasn't the the sole architect of these things. Like, there were people. There were Imagineers who were really responsible for so much of what we know and love today. Yeah. So... I think that's uh, pretty fucking awesome. And I would highly recommend watching the Imagineering story on Disney Plus if you have any interest in that kind yeah, of Yeah, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that's on Disney Plus. It's just a, is it a series or is it a Yeah, it's film a docu-series okay. narrated by Angela Bassett. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. And keep, keep note of that. And, you know. People. Can learn about other Disney legends. But anyway, of of whom I I assume there must be a, a fair quite few. a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so cool that they've got like a little series yeah. dedicated to their own, yeah. you know, pioneers. Well, and it's fascinating. I don't know. It's just, maybe it's only fascinating to types of people like me, but I I find it really fascinating to learn about the types of engineers and the engineering problems that come along with that sort of monolith and right you know well you're building something completely unheard of you're building something that it has never been done before on that scale and with characters that you own so each each ride has to tell a story you know each section of the park has to be part of your story and it's not it's not it's not something we've ever seen before Walt Disney came in and and created these giant pockets where that kind of thing was possible and so you do have to have people who are who become legends in their own um, communities of engineers and creatives because like who else is gonna make this shit who else is gonna is gonna imagine that that vision yeah. You know? Yeah. Disney can't do it alone. That was one little, little part of it, but she's a pretty cool part, I think. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Man. And it's pretty lighthearted. Yeah. I think that, that was, that was the perfect speed for me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want some on this day? Yes, please. Okie dokie. So today is April 8th. Mm-hmm. And my first one actually relates, sort of. To your lady from last week. Oh. In 1232, the Mongols begin their siege on Kaifeng, the capital of the Jin dynasty. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What year was that, you said? 1232. Mm, couple, like, couple decades before uh, she was born. Yeah. Um, 1730, Sharif Israel, the first synagogue in New York City, is dedicated. Oh, wow. That's early. Yeah. Earlier than I thought, anyway. Yeah. Crazy. Um, 1820, the Venus de Milo is discovered on the Aegean island of Milos. Damn. Yeah. 1820? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously okay. discovered by not the creators or whatever, but. No, they found yeah. It. That's, I'm surprised. I guess I just always assumed it was around. <laughs> I never, I didn't realize that they had to discover it. Yeah. That's so yeah. dumb of me. No, I know exactly what you're saying, though. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, 1904, 
Longacre Square in Midtown Manhattan is renamed Times Square after the New York Times. Oh, oh, I did not know that. Wow. New York Times, huh? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. That's so I didn't funny. realize it was named after the newspaper. Yeah. That's crazy. No, it's I, it always reminds wow. me of that office quote where Michael goes to New York. He's like, Times Square, named for the good times you have while you're in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe I guess that's what I assumed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, 1906, Augusta Dita, the first person to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, dies. Oh. She was a German 1906? lady. 1906? Yeah. But, wow. no, I guess prior to that, they just didn't know what the fuck Alzheimer's was. Right. Um, not exactly. This one's interesting and I think slightly relevant in a weird way. 1943, U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, in an attempt to check inflation, freezes wages and prices, prohibits workers from changing jobs unless the war effort would be aided thereby, and bars rate increases by common carriers and public utilities. Fascinating. Yeah. So so there was another sort of crisis of, you know... The country, the federal government stepping in and saying we need to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, my God. And they never got it right. Like, I mean, really, it wasn't... I mean, the New Deal helped a lot of people after the Depression. But, like, every time they tried to check inflation or help a recession, like, some of the things that that they tried to do just never... Right. Never really did it. Right. Crazy. Um, 1964... The Gemini 1 test flight is conducted, so it was part of the space race. Oh, yep, yep. And in 2008, I thought I'd end on a positive note, I guess, the construction of the world's first skyscraper to integrate wind turbines is completed in Bahrain. Oh, wind turbines, really? Mm Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this, but that's amazing. What are you excited about this week? Oh, yeah, that caught me off guard. (laughs) I forgot I was supposed to be excited about things. Um, Well, probably, like, this is maybe a little lame because I think everyone in the United States is doing this right now, but I've been um, baking bread. (laughs) I haven't been baking bread. Well, okay, so you are in the minority right now, I think. Um, (laughs) I've been eating a lot of bread. That's great. That's perfect. So many people are making bread for the first time and I am one of them. And I, I finally, so I, I tried to make a starter, a sourdough starter starter a couple weeks ago, starter, a a sourdough starter. That's a hard, you know, combo of words. There's a lot of diphthongs in there. (sighs) Yes. But I killed it. I killed my starter a couple of weeks ago. I think I I didn't I think I exposed it to too much air or something I don't know, but um but I started again with my starter, <laughs> and created one that actually became what I needed it to become. It had lots oh, yeah. of nice air bubbles and yeast and fermentation, and so I made my very first actual sourdough bread, um, yesterday. 
And so I'm eating that. And mainly I'm just excited about like trying again and figuring out the things I did wrong and the things I did right. And, you know, being that kind of person. Well, hey, right when now. all this blows over, <laughs> I want to come eat your bread. I will make that you so much bread. really dirty, but. Oh, all right. We can go with that if you want. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm excited about baking. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm on board for that. Amazing. And on uh, that note. Well, <laughs> on that note, I am going to... Um, oh, hi, cat. Jesus. He's so invasive. He's an invasive species. Um, Jesus. On that note, uh, we will leave you to your quarantine activities your work Follow from home us life on social media say hi we're all bored so say hi yep. to us <laughs> yeah please do reach out let us know what you're what you're liking and who who you are liking in terms of ladies maybe we'll talk about them yeah. and uh until next time peace out witches bye bye wash your hands wash your hands For listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif, me, you, and you, <laughs> Hannah Ferguson, and we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Google Play, pretty and much more. anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com we love to receive emails if you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air uh, shoot it over to us we would love to read it if you want to help keep us running you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash gwbbpodcast <laughs> become a patron and help us you know pay for our hosting yeah patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content and it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast and it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out if you like it you can be a part of it also to help us out you can rate review and subscribe all of the all of those things are extremely helpful for us they help other listeners find us yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moonbounce. Moon